What I love about storytelling is going to places with myself um, and with my own experiences that I don't necessarily explore if I'm not trying to explain them to somebody else. That's Kate, storyteller, writer, actor, and yarn worker. Kate is a powerful orator, and she assembled the team that gave birth to Testify, Austin's monthly storytelling show. She sat down to chat about building a creative institution, shaping stories, savoring the dynamic exchange between a performer and an audience, and knitting in public. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our weekly chat. Hi, Kate. Hi. Thanks for coming and doing the third episode of our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, We met when I did the first show of Testify, which is a storytelling group. Well, we met before that. I'm sure we did. It was like the first time I remember like spending some serious one-on-one time Mm -hmm. with you, getting to know you and kind of getting to know your creative side. Um, And the very first show was Creation in 2013. (laughs) Goodness. Yeah. And then I did the second show... It was called Crushed in t- July of 2016. So it's now in its fifth year mm-hmm. and happening the last Thursday of every month with mm-hmm. different themes. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of perusing the Testify website to kind of refresh my memory of it. Yeah. And it sounded like you and Genevieve, who did the first episode, and three, four other people, three other people, three other people. Um, kind of like sat around a table and had a dinner conversation about this idea. I'm just um, kind of wondering. No, no, no. I tricked them. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, it, having a storytelling show was uh, something that I had wanted for probably a couple of years. By that point, um, I work, uh, I'm in marketing for, uh, for a company and so I, but digital marketing. So I spend a lot of time at my desk with my headphones on and I began listening to like The Moth and StoryCorps and This American Life at my desk and like feeling all of the emotions while, you know, doing work all at the same time. Uh, and I was like, where can I do that in Austin? And, um, the shows that I knew about, um, like Bedpost Confessions, which is amazing, um, but it is uh, it's very much like variety. Uh, it's got different kinds. It's not just straight storytelling. It's different kinds of performances. Um, and that deals with um, very much around like sex, uh, reproductive justice, uh, sexual identity. Um, but it's got a very, it's got a specific view, right? Okay. It's got specific content that it features. Um, and then I knew about mortified, but that is along the same lines. That's, uh, people reading from their diaries or journals or projects growing up. And so you have to have them and, uh, you can't just kind of come in with like whatever story you want to tell. It's gotta be the authentic journal. I have a friend that did that recently and I'm going to interview him for an episode. Oh, it's wonderful. I've seen it here. I've seen it in New York. It's a really fun show. But you do have to have um, you do have to have those items, and what you talk about has to be directly linked to that. And what I wanted was a storytelling show um, that had uh, that really connected the human experience, and that went you know later on when we were describing the show. But something where you would have you know several different kinds of stories. Um, and several different kinds of people, mm-hmm. and uh, it could be about anything. And um, I'd been wanting to do that for a while, and then I'd been in grad school, and then my company that I worked for stopped paying, um, so I had to stop taking it because uh, <laughs> it's expensive. And um, you know, I'd really been in that point out like my my undergrads in theater, and then I was studying information sciences and. Um, Working full-time and going to grad school uh, for the two years that I was doing it, um, I didn't have any sort of creative outlet. 
and I've never had that before in my life. It's always been kind of ingrained in whatever I'm doing. Um, And so uh, I got out of that, and I was like, well, I'm kind of sad that I have to put this on pause, but what do I want to do with this time that I have opened up? And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start that show. Um, It's just time. And so I thought about who I would want to work on it with me. And um, I knew Genevieve and Aaron from, and Casey, Sammy, who's the other person Mm -hmm. um, from UT. And then my other friend, Abby Rinaldis. I had a very specific vision and I knew that it couldn't stay that specific once I got on its feet. And I wanted to have other inputs that wouldn't necessarily just be agreeing with me. Right. The collaboration pulled something out of you that you didn't even know was there, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically then having dinner, and they're like, huh? and I'm like, so okay, well, by eating this food and drinking this wine, you're now uh, you agree, yeah. to be uh, in the storytelling show with me, so we're going to make it. Um, and so then we had that in place, and I, I was trying to figure out a name, because mm-hmm. it's so important, the right. name of things. And uh, this was the summer of 2013, And uh, it just so happened that there was a lot of um, very controversial legislation being passed or attempting to being passed. And I wound up spending a lot of time at the Capitol. And uh, through that process, I watched people um, testify about, there were these three minute testimonials that they were allowed. And um, I watched people uh, testify and tell their stories. And this was around, like, reproductive justice. And I heard and watched people say things that they'd never said to anybody. Oh, yeah. Um, or if, or just a few people, um, or, or maybe no one. Um, and, and even in these three minutes, um, whether or not they seem to have resolution at the end of it, Everyone from both sides walked away changed from what I could see. And, um, and that was also, you know, it just kind of furthered my desire to give people a space to do that for all sorts of things, not just for this one thing, um, but for all sorts of things. But then that's where I got the name Testify. Yeah. Yeah. I love how that reinforced the idea. It was already there, already floating around, and you were just seeing an example of it just right in front of you. It's it's It definitely boosted the timeline. It mm-hmm. went from kind of a, hey, guys, I've tricked you into working with me, but everything was very nebulous. Like, we didn't have a name. We didn't have any sort of, like, start to, you know, we had no timeline in place. It was just kind of... Going from, yeah, something in my brain to then something out loud with other people that I, like, ensnared, but still nothing was definite. And then watching that, um, watching that transformation in people really, um, really pushed me to actually start doing the work. Gotcha. And... So how did you get into storytelling? I got into storytelling from, I mean, other than the fact that I come from a family of storytellers, not stand on a stage storytellers, but, um, and then, you know, going into theater, which is a whole world of storytelling. Um, it's a different kind of storytelling, Uh but it is, uh, you know, it is actually like working to take words on a paper and turn them into a story in front of people. Um, so I'd already, I'd always kind of been a part of it. And then sitting at my desk and listening to people turn their own lives into a performance, but in a very grounded way, um, not necessarily entirely in like the one person show where they're turning their lives into theater, right. um, in a very stripped down, you know, person in a mic, there's not really any hiding from what's going on, um, and it was listening, listening to that at my desk and being so moved just from the sound of it um, that really made me want to um, pursue the, that type of storytelling. What do you get out of performance, like emotionally, when you're on stage? What does it do for you? It's, it's expression, and it really runs the gamut. Um, it's been interesting. You know, I talk, I've talked with people about the difference between acting and storytelling. And acting is very much, I feel, trying to find vulnerability and truth in somebody else's words and actions. 
And so a big part of that is getting to be somebody else and getting to do and say things that you can't do in real life. Um, you get this past to do, you know, sometimes the very inappropriate or the very spectacular. Um, you get the chance to lose your shit in front of everybody um, and have it be actually what you're supposed to be doing, right? Um, and then on the flip side, what I have found in, in these memories and these moments that on one hand feel so familiar to me because I lived them, but I haven't necessarily ever examined them. Right. And so doing the work to try to explain their significance yeah, or, you know, just even the moment and what happened um, and then why it's important to somebody else. I find, uh, I find new things about myself and I, I get occasionally a clearer picture of both myself at that point in time and then also myself now. Um, but I would say probably one of the biggest things I get from it is the audience. Um, having a room full of people who are invested in what you are doing and what you are saying um, and when you are doing it well, who are going with you yeah. is one of the best feelings I've ever experienced. Um, it's better than just about anything else. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but I would say performance is uh, a form of expression that... Um, I, well, and then also connecting with other people on stage and being able to share that, especially right. when the audience can feel like, and you're both like, we're doing so good. And the <laughs> audience is like, you're doing so good. Because it's nerve wracking being on stage, like it putting is. yourself up yeah. there and knowing that you have like put together something that you want people to receive and yeah. feel something from like mm -hmm. being vulnerable, but at the same time, like finding strength in like just going for it, like knowing that what you are doing is like a really big deal in your life at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's committing, right? Um, people will forgive a lot as long as you are committing to it. Right. Um, and that's what I think the audience can tell if you're in it. Um, it's I, but at the same time, I'm a person that deals with anxiety quite mm -hmm. a bit. Um, and sometimes I actually have an easier time uh, being upstage and being on stage and communicating that way because I know what I am going to say. Uh, I know, you know, in theory, how I'm going to say it. Maybe it changes a little bit because you do want to be able to adapt. But I find comfort uh, sometimes as opposed to like just talking to people individually where I might say something and then later on be like, oh, Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't what I meant to say. I, or, or, you know, or, or did, I, did I say the wrong, like, mm -hmm. was that inappropriate? Was it wrong? Oh my, did they hate me? Uh, and if I'm on stage, you know, it's, uh, especially if I'm acting, well, that's somebody, I mean, they can think whether or not they did, I did a believable or good job, but mm -hmm. that's somebody else that I'm playing. And when it's myself, um, well, if they hear me talk about myself vulnerably, and don't like me, then I feel like that's on them a little <laughs> bit. Um, so, so there is the pressure of being up there, but I also feel that pressure in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I've actually rehearsed it, it's a little bit easier. Sure. If so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about rehearsal a little bit. What do you do to prepare? Um, are we talking about like storytelling? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically storytelling. Um, so what I do, uh, and I'm a writer, so I write everything out, um, and then I give myself, well, I always start out with like an outline of kind of what I want to cover. And then I give myself permission as I'm actually writing it out. If I feel like I'm going in different directions to go those different directions. Um, I generally always start with like an end, like I always have my ending in mind before I, cause I actually don't think, I don't think you can tell a story. Um, I don't think you're ready to tell a story if you don't already know the ending. Sure. It's like the punchline. Like, you're not telling a joke to wander around. Yeah, yeah. And storytelling, you do get to wander a little bit. But as long as you know how it ends, you mm -hmm. know where you should wander. Or sure. how much you should wander. Um, and so I'll write it all out, and then I will start saying it out loud. And um, I will not... I will give myself express permission to not necessarily say exactly what I have written down. 
Uh, coming from theater where it's verbatim, that's a that's a tough one for me. But um, it's better because sometimes I'll write something and I'll say it out loud and it doesn't actually fit. Right. You know, it, it looked real good on paper, but it doesn't actually fit my mouth or my brain when I'm saying it. It's not as conversational. Like how you write is different than how you yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah. And I'm lucky. I How I write tends to be how I speak. Oh, okay, I've never, good. Yeah, it's, it's something um, because I tend because most of my writing has been performance-based. Um, gotcha. Like a lot of playwriting uh, background or You've sketch writing. You've had a writing. lot of practice mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, I have. Um, and, and like, man, being an actor, one thing you do is just analyze yourself and your own speech patterns and what you're doing all the time because you want to be intentional about what you include in building a character, right? Um, so I do have a pretty good idea of the way that I speak, um, but sometimes... I'll have written it down one way and then I really just want to say it this other way and I'm like, st- I'll struggle and then I'm like, oh wait, no, this is yours. You get to say it. You get to say it however you want to. Like, no worries. No worries gonna, uh, it's not wrong. Right. Um, so uh, I'll just start saying it over and over and over again um, and I will say it in the shower and I will say it in the car uh, and I will look like a crazy person mumbling to myself like the day or two before the show. Um, and I will sometimes have to, cause what'll happen to me is I'll know the first half of the story really well because I'll be getting through that and then something will happen. Uh, like I'll hit a stoplight or, you know, sure. or like I will have to get out of the shower. Um, and so sometimes I'll start like in the middle of the story and then I'll go from the middle of the story to the end and then maybe back to the beginning. But so that way that part gets practiced as well. Right. Um, but I just start saying out loud a lot, a lot of people, and we encourage with our show, um, people have different processes. I know some people who never write it down. Really? Yeah. I, I encourage everybody to make a map, to make a bulleted or like an outline or a bulleted list or something like that. Um, but some people don't write down the parts in between. Um, they just say them and Wow. Yeah, I I I find that fascinating. I think it is, too. Um, It is a level of uh, letting go that I uh, don't think I'll ever have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but I think, you know, I think the the most important thing is saying it out loud a whole bunch. Um, We the way rehearsal works for rehearsal. It's a series of meetings. I specifically don't say rehearsal so that nobody gets too scared. Right. The pressure of it if they don't have performance in their background. And I think we all have specific ideas of like what rehearsal is. Um, Or like some of us who have a rehearsal background, like have ideas about it. And then other people are just like afraid of it. Um, So, you know, we just have two meetings and um, at the second meeting, we do have people tell tell us their piece And a lot of times we'll get people who've thought about their piece a whole lot and they've never actually said it out loud. And so they'll think it's, they'll come in and they're like, well, it's going to be like five minutes. Um, And then like 25 minutes later. And it's supposed to be 15 max? um, 11, uh, yeah, 13 max. Okay, 13. Um, We did start out 15 and then. Okay. We, we shortened that uh, because <laughs> everyone goes over. Yeah. Not, not as much anymore. We also changed. It's been a, like in the five years, you know, that we've been doing it. It's been a, it's been a learning process. Sure. Definitely. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we, we encourage people to be at 11 at the second meeting. They'll, we ask between eight and 13 minutes. If someone comes in with eight minutes, we'll generally, you know, we can find a thing or two for them to like flesh out a little bit. Uh, if they come in at their 13, we might talk about things that they could shave off. Um, although sometimes it's just, you know, saying, saying it over and over and over again so that your transitions are tight. Right. Um, transitions are always a sticky point in a story because story, these stories, you know, they're never just one story because you have to give people background information if they're going to understand the significance of this moment in time. And so it winds up being like a Voltron of stories, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, and so uh, saying out loud, storytelling story is very different than story writing or story thinking. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a lot of thinkers. They're like, yeah, I thought of, you know, I've practiced it a lot. And, and really, they've just thought about it in their head a whole lot. So they'll have a good idea about the overall arc. But they'll say the same thing or they'll say one, one they'll make one point in three very similar ways. Sure. Right. And, or, you know, they'll, they'll make a list of like five things. And so sometimes when it's, we're figuring out what to shave off, it's like, okay, well you made this one point three different ways. 
Pick one. You made a list of five things. Pick three. Um, and obviously, you know, those rules are also meant to be broken sometimes. But um, I think that's the difference. You know, saying it out loud, uh, writing it down and saying it out loud, I think, allow for a certain amount of editing. I was about to talk yeah, about editing. And, and mm-hmm. thinking, the story thinking in your brain um, does not allow for editing. Right. Because it's all just kind of in there and nothing's come out. So you don't know what actually works and what doesn't work. And um, whether it's saying it out loud or whether it's writing it down or as I personally prefer both, um, that allows for you to figure out what is working and what isn't working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you might not realize how long it actually is when you write it out. It might not seem that long because you're just looking at pages Mm -hmm. and then you might just like read the literal pages, but that's not how you speak. It's, yeah, it takes work. Um, and it, and it is surprising. It also depends on, uh, how you've written it out in those pages. Right. Um, I mean, if it's, you know, five pages double spaced with like just the tiniest paragraphs, that is, that might be the same as like two, for me, it was two and a half pages double spaced. Yeah. And that ended up being my 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, I do Arial 11 point one, uh, one and a half spaced, uh, and um, I do short paragraphs, and I'm about three pages will be 11 minutes. Okay. Um, do you but, bold certain things? Like as you're practicing, you can like glance down at I the transition. Take it off the paper pretty fast. Okay. Um, I will sometimes bold things out of habit. <laughs> what you want to emphasize. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, or I'll use all caps or something like that. Um, but I, I tend to, I'll write it all out and then I'll just start saying it. And then if I get stuck, I'll look back at the page or like once I've set, maybe I've gotten all the way through it, but I feel like I missed something or something got confusing. So I'll look back at the page, but, um, I do try to take it off pretty quickly. How soon do you know that you are doing a show? We had someone get pneumonia and drop out the morning of the show. No. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked for everybody. I mean, it sucked yeah. for her because she had pneumonia and then it But that was really disappointing sucked. for her. Yeah. No. And also she has pneumonia and yeah. that's like, <laughs> like not crap. good. Um, but then it also meant like we, you know, and, and if we get enough time when someone drops out, I will shop that out because we have built a network of storytellers. And, um, and I would, I mean, I enjoy performing, but we, we did create the show as a platform for many people. Um, (laughs) and I can't have it look like I made a show to force people to hear me, uh, talk about my life. Um, but it was, you know, it was a matter of hours. Um, and I did have a story that worked. It was a hard story. Uh, it was a sad story. It was a story about my friend that had passed away. Actually, it was a story about, uh, her her cat and us thinking, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had to tell it that night and it was very sudden. Um, and I basically you had to dig deep. I did. Uh, I did. Um, and it, and it was great. And nobody knew that I, uh, had jumped in that day or at least that I, you know, created and finished and told that story that day. Uh, I cried a lot. (laughs) During? After? Before? Um, During. During the... I did not cry. Maybe I cried a little bit in the show um, in a moment, but, like, all day I just had, like, tears running. You know, because it was hard. It was... Mm -hmm. I hadn't really um, processed through that to that point, um, and it was sad, um, but it was... uh, It filled us an interpretation of the show. We always try to have different interpretations of the theme, mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons, both for the audience and then also for the performers. Um, because we do book people. One of our goals is to have people at different experience levels. Um, we want to have somebody, obviously we want our ringer who <laughs> isn't, you know, a very, um, experienced performer, but we also want to have people and have been like lucky enough to have people who are getting on stage for the first time. Um, and that's really important to us. And we find that, having such different stories um, is also better for the performers because I think it keeps people from being like, oh, well, this person and this person, you know, comparing. Comparing, sure. Because they're so different. Um, 
And then we also want to have like different, just, I like people being surprised. Um, last June we had, uh, ties that bind and we had a guy talking about a minister, like talking about, uh, a retreat type thing with kids in a hotel and playing a game with like a whole bunch of theologians capture the flag in a hotel with a bunch of high school kids and theologians. And then we also had, um, a woman talking about the first uh, BDSM party she went to. So it really did, you know, it was, I think that's one of the um, most extreme cases we've had. Sure. Of like, but like to have these two very opposite things on stage together and have them both still fit. Right. Uh, I think is um, one and of the things I enjoy most about the show. When you prepare for a story that you are telling. So I'm thinking about when I told the very first story I told was about giving birth to my first daughter. Yeah. No, second, second daughter. Yeah. Goodness. And, you know, that was fun and easy to tell. And uh-huh. I had told it so many times by then. Yeah. And um, when I told the second story, it was about my friend Basil who died. And yeah. I just did not want to sit down and write that story. And I knew I needed to. I knew that it would be good for me. And it got down to like... I guess before the second meeting where I was like, I've, I've got to just like finish this. <laughs> like, I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. I've got to write it out. And I would sit in this office and I recorded myself on like um, iMovie or something like that where I, I felt like there was an audience or like, um, you know, I couldn't just ramble and like get distracted with Facebook. I had, it was like having a timer, you yeah. know? So I, I recorded myself and then I would watch myself to see if there were any like verbal tics or, you know, if, if I was just telling the story in a weird way. And so that's how I finally like got down to it. And just the pressure of, well, shit, the story, it, it, I've got to tell us, you know, it's, it's going to be in two days. I've got to like get this out of my system. There's a deadline. Yeah, Yeah. And, um, when I, told it I, there was so much trepidation just like knowing it was going to come out of my body mm-hmm. and I was like I'm not going to cry I'm not a crier and then I was like oh my, I'm I'm going to cry on stage <laughs> in front of a lot of strangers I love it when people cry I do <laughs> um you know it's it's such an honest emotion to be having and it also when you're able to cry uh it means you're in that moment. And we, it is a fine line. We want people to be in the moment enough to feel it and be able to continue telling. Right. We don't want people to be so close to it. And so we do have certain guidelines that we work with when dealing particularly with traumatic events um, where it's kind of like... Well, if you know, we are want you a on the other side? Time. Enough. Do you have an ending? Right. Well, and 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 that ending is not like this person died. That ending is what did what did this experience mean to you? Right. And how has it changed you? And you aren't going to be able to find that when you're still living it. And the funny thing about grief is it's not linear. It right. actually is directly related to how much you are processing it not how much time has gone by. We use time as a guideline to get an idea to where if somebody is like, this happened last month, and we're like, oh, nope. no, 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 no. <laughs> Minimum one year to two mm-hmm. years on death. Um, and uh, minimum. <laughs> but it also has to be clear like what, what you're taking from it. Um, and not that that can't change two years out or four years out or eight years out. In fact, it will um, but you at least have to be able to tell one version of it. Right. Um, and sometimes a way of doing that as well is not necessarily talking about the death, but talking about something else that was going on at the time and having the story be about that. And the death factors in and it's right. touched on, but you, the person doesn't actually have to like figure out what this <laughs> loss means, um, just rather how this loss was affecting them in this moment. When I was writing the story about my grandmother, I wrote half of it, put, I remember, like, I wrote about half of it, and this was, like, months before, and I just, like, 
slammed my laptop down, scooted it away, and then did not, I mean, I touched the laptop, but I did not touch the story (laughs) again until like a few days before my second meeting, um, because the producers can procrastinate just as much as everybody (laughs) else, but also because it was, it was hard and it was hard in a way that I didn't expect. Right. Um, Because it had been, that had been four years and even actually I just retold that for uh, another show, um, The Living Room, uh, which is a wonderful show done by Amparo Garcia Crow, and it was her birthday show. And I was like, well, I have a birthday story. But she wanted death. She was like, I want sex and death and life. And I was like, well, I've got the death um, and the life. Uh, And there was some sex, but it didn't actually make it into the telling of the story. Uh, It just happened in real life. And... um, Okay, whoops. <laughs> just, you know, to make the story more lively. Yeah, just so we all know. Like, and that's the other fun thing about stories, like what you include and what you don't. Because yeah. I think we were, were like, well, everything happened. And it's like, well, but this is either this is the theme right. or this is the arc of the story. And because you do have a limited amount of time, you can't what necessarily What pushes it along. Exactly. All of the details don't what work. What is like, you know. And then I went to the store and then I went to yeah. the. Yeah. No, if it's, if it. If it goes with your arc, if it's important that you went to this door and then this other place and then this other place, absolutely. Um, but if you're just saying it because it happened, right. uh, then that can go. Um, oh, yeah, but telling that, telling it eight years, um, I, my view of, of the experience has changed, even from four years ago. Um, so it's always, you know, yeah. it was a fun revisit, I guess. Fun is not the word. It's not a fun Interesting. Thing. It, Interesting revisit, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be able to tell this story again. I'm, I. It was hard. Congratulate than I you for yeah. revisiting it. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, it's. I think it's something that it's important, especially as I am working with other people on their stories. Oh gosh, I'm sure you do. Just look inward when you hear oh, how yeah. people are, <laughs> like processing their stories. I'm sure it just like bubbles up all of the stories that, you know, are inspired by what they're saying. There, there are moments we definitely work, you know, particularly as people are trusting us with their stories. We work to make sure that any sessions we have are about them. Focusing on them. Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, it is, though, a way of uh, particularly if it's somebody who's a bit nervous or trepidatious about going to a vulnerable place. I think sometimes being able to just even within the meeting, you know, they're like this, you know, they tell their story and it's like, yeah, so similar thing happened to me or. Yeah, you're not alone in this. Yeah. um, And and it gives them, I think, permission sometimes to go a little bit deeper um, if, if they're wanting to. But then also part of our job is to know or to to work to sense when they've gone about as deep as they're able to go in this mm-hmm. point in time because mm-hmm. we don't we don't ever want to push somebody to say something that they're not ready to say we'll encourage them to examine it and we'll encourage them to create a narrative that's based on who they are now and not who they were in that particular moment mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but uh but trying to get a feel for uh where where people are ready to go because sometimes that might just be like, it's like, oh, okay, this is where that's, we're stopping. That's and that's still a great story, you know? Yeah. yeah. How do you all come up with themes? We have a list. Oh, just like you, you've you got a running list. We've and got you a kind running of... list, and we'll have a meeting, um, usually around uh, our anniversary. Our anniversary is in September. And either right before or right after, we will have a meeting where we just look at this list, uh, and we... We'll compare it with, I mean, this is different now, um, wasn't a luxury our first, like I would say two years, but we have a submission form online and, um, we don't always have themes for stories. So we hold on to them. Our, my line is if you submit a story to testify and, uh, you're willing to tell it and it meets our, you know, um, Time requirements um, are requirements of it being a story and not like a sermon or a rant. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it meets our safe space policy, then you'll get to tell it. It might not be the month that you thought you were going to tell or that, that inspired you, um, but we will find a place for you to tell it. And so what we will also do is look at the stories that we have, our library of untold stories, 
and we'll compare that with the themes, you know, that we're interested in. And those can be, you know, sometimes it'll be a word. Sometimes I like using titles from other things because they've worked well once. But with a theme, in order for it to be chosen, it does have to have at least two to three interpretations possible. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like it can't just be, well, actually, no, hungry would totally work. Um, but it has to be something that has the possibility of uh, different interpretations because that is a big component of the show. How do you feel after seeing a recording of your piece versus experiencing it live? Um, we just do audio recordings. Okay. So we don't do, um, we don't do video recordings. I will occasionally, I'm not, you know, I think with many of us, when we hear our own voices, we're like, who the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh That's my God, how I, I feel with like this that? podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then every now and then I'll hear it and I'm totally in love with my voice and I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, that cadence um, was right on. Yeah, but like 75% of the time, it's a little cringy for me. I also come from a place of... Well, theater, where it's ephemeral, it's a moment, and uh, it was there, and it was then, and now it lives on in memory, Mm -hmm. uh, and not in uh, print or film. Right. Um, So I I almost prefer it that way. So I tend to not listen to recordings of myself. Sometimes I don't have a choice. Um, (laughs) But I, uh, if I don't have to, I won't, because I do like to remember it mm-hmm. how I, how it felt if not necessarily exactly how it was right or whatever i'm attaching to it now that i'm out of the moment which is you know my loathing for my own voice <laughs> i saw uh, i think i set up a phone recording me mm-hmm. during my mm-hmm. performance yeah. and I was like man I really nailed it and then I like watched the performance and I was like why do I start every point I'm making with so and you know I was like that I don't know if that's like a good thing that I'm catching that verbal tick or if it like took something away from the experience I think it all depends on what you are planning on doing if your goal is to be a professional storyteller where you need to make sure that you aren't beginning every sentence accidentally with so, fair enough. If this is a creative outlet that you have found that you will hopefully revisit, Mm -hmm. um, but you aren't necessarily planning on, you know, becoming a professional at, I would say live in the moment or, or let it, let it be the moment, you know? Live shows, I, it might, now this is a personal opinion, but I don't believe that live shows ever translate as well on film mm-hmm. because you will never be able to feel the audience. You can hear them, but you can't feel them. And actually, I, so I told a story last night and I, uh, I trend towards the comedic because they're, well, A, that's how I process things in my mind. Um, but I do also love the like instant gratification that oh, yeah, you get the with laughter. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a moment last night, and it was a mostly funny story. But there was a moment where there was just this silence, and it was the best kind of silence. I've actually been trying to think of all day how to like make a Facebook post out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a moment of silence, and it was because everybody was with me. And they wanted to see, and I paused, and they wanted to, they were just ready to go with me. And uh, I almost had to, like, remember my story, uh, because I did I did have that moment, and I was like, it's so quiet. Uh-huh. They're waiting on me. What, I- what was I going to say? <laughs> um, and so I think that sort of silence... On camera, it's just silence. Whereas in the room, it's bated breath. I think it's great to be able to look at yourself. And again, if this is something, it's a, if it's a craft that you're wanting to hone to that level of specificity, by all means. But um, don't use it to beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah. I would say if this is, you know, and when we want people to come back and tell more stories, but unless this is something that you're planning on doing professionally, um, 
maybe maybe give yourself permission to live through the memory. Yeah, I like that. Um, what is your relationship with collaborating? Do you like to collaborate with people a lot? Are there other activities that you collaborate with people on? Collaboration for me is an endeavor. Um, it is making me a better person. <laughs> I tend to, I was always like the kid in the group that at the end of the day would be like, just everybody give it to me because I need to make sure if I cared, if I didn't care about the project, then, you know, screw it. But if I care about the project, like everybody give it to me so I can go over everything and make sure that like, it's all in like that everything is good enough. You and me both. sister. I believe it. I believe it. Um, I, I also believe in everybody having a role. Um, and then part of that has to be that like, you know, your I know my own role. Um, I certainly, I serve as artistic director for this particular show, um, because it is an extension of my initial vision, but part of my job is to be able to incorporate what other people are saying. Um, I have had the good fortune to work with people who are all very, it seems to be easy collaborators <laughs> seems to come much, much more naturally to everybody other than me. Um, and, uh, and all contribute, um, in very different and important ways. And it's my job to make sure that they've got space to do that. Uh, cause I tend to be even, even in collaboration, like a driver. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have to make sure that there's space for other people because they will only make it better. The nice thing about collaboration is with enough eyes and ears on it, um, if something doesn't seem like it will work, you have enough people. And I always hope that we um, create a space where people are feel able to be honest about that. And because I think we're very lucky we work and we're constantly dealing and encouraging other people to be honest and vulnerable. So some of it just kind of works that way with us as well as a team. Um, I started out working with people who weren't necessarily story nerds. Uh -huh. um, they were all fantastic performers, but um, I think with the initial team, maybe me and Genevieve were the ones who were actually very passionate about stories themselves. Um, and then over time, you know, we've had people who have decided to do uh, work on other projects or we've had like, two people move. Um, oh, the producers. Yeah, the producers, mm -hmm. the team, the production team. So that's been changing over the years. But now we've got mostly um, just a whole bunch of story nerds. And so we get to geek out about that, um, which is also a lot of fun. Um, not that we didn't geek out with the initial team. Uh, they just were discovering stories sure. and that they enjoyed them. And now everybody working on it, um, they were already sold on stories before. In right. fact, that's how they came in to be working on it. So, so that's pretty... That's a lot of fun. But yeah, so collaboration, making me a better person, still a struggle, um, but making me a better person. Well, how has your crafting discipline and routine evolved? And this might not even include performance. It can. Yeah. But I'm curious about, you know, even because you crochet or knit. Both. Okay. Both. And yeah. you write. I do. And so how does that work, you know, in your free time? Um, it's always a balance, balancing act. Um, balance mm -hmm. make it, makes it sound like I've actually, like, achieved it. Um, Spinning plates is kind of... Yeah, it, it is very it. much, um, you know, there are things that I put down and pick up. Uh, I have been mad at knitting. I'm mad at myself. I lost a craft bag. Oh no! Yeah, and it was a bag that I made, and I don't sew. I wish I, I wish I could sew. Um, I don't do well with straight lines. <laughs> I just don't. I never have. I can't like. I struggle to cut. Uh, I struggle to like keep it straight while I'm sewing, and then have the right amount. It's so precise, and I, um, I am a particular person, but I am not necessarily a precise person. Interesting. And it's a very finite distinction. Sure. Um, but I think, I think it's one that's there. And so, uh, that's what I like about knitting and crocheting is it's like one knot at a time. It's yeah, it's, it's particular. You, you have to do this thing and follow the pattern, but, um, and I guess, you know, with gauging, I guess there are, I'm sure there are precise people who do this particular crafting, mm -hmm. um, who are much more into, um, 
working on gauge and, and checking that. Um, whereas I'm just kind of like, well, is it going the way I expected mm-hmm. or does it look, you know, as long as it's does it looking fit my close head? enough. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I lost this craft bag that I sewed and it had like a really good pair of circular needles and this yarn, it was a souvenir yarn that I picked up when I was visiting back in New York. Um, so, uh, so it was I, a setback and you haven't quite yeah, jumped back yeah. into I've it. I've got a blanket that I'm working on, um, that I pick up and put down. Um, so, so that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got enough unfinished projects, um, <laughs> to, and it's a little different in Texas. I miss when I lived in New York, um, which is actually when I started knitting, uh, it was much colder and I had all this subway time which was the best thing in the world. That's actually, so my friend Keely taught me to knit on like a Friday night. And then I had to go into work on Saturday to do some extra work on this project. And I was, my coworker, Nancy was a very accomplished crochet and knitter. Um, and she, I was showing her and she was like, Oh, you learned English. And I was like, is there more than one? I didn't know. She was like, yeah, there's this other one I could show you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just learned this. (laughs) I don't want that too. Um, and then of course I realized I was like adding, like I was accidentally knitting into the wrong cause I didn't know what I was doing. Uh Right. So I was knitting into the wrong thing. So, um, I was basically like doubling my rows every, uh, every time. And it was turning into, like, this yarn rainbow, so I actually had to take it out and start all over again. And Nancy and I were riding the A-train up. She w- I was getting off um, near Washington Heights, and she was getting off in Enwood. And um, we were sitting next to this older, uh, as it turns out, Ecuadorian lady um, who was uh, watching me struggle with knitting. And she... She was peeping you. Yeah, oh, she, much more than that. She turns to me at one point after she sees me struggling for a little bit. And uh, she's like, no, 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 no. It's like this. Uh, and, and tries to show me, you know, and I, like with her hands in the air. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> what does and then mean? I go, you know, because there was a bit of a language barrier. And she like stops me again. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's like this. And I was like, oh cool learned learned last night you know and um finally she's like no and she takes the work out of my hands (laughs) and demonstrates for me and I'm like my stop is coming up and I'm like oh no I've got to learn this right now or I'm not going to be getting off this train because she's not going to let me (laughs) um so then I had to uh get it right in probably about five minutes but I did um, and I actually much preferred it. I found continental to be an easier way to knit. Oh, and wow. Yeah, yeah, I prefer it. Um, different different people prefer different things, um, but I, I find it to be far more intuitive and in, more intuitive mm-hmm. um, motion, holding the needles and holding the yarn. Um, and and uh, then I also got a good story out of it. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that she was so compelled. I was doing it wrong. And then actually my friend Nancy is, she's Cuban and she's fluent in Spanish and they were talking after I was gone and she was like, she just was struggling so much. And Nancy's like, well, she learned last night, which is also something I think that the woman was like, well, sorry, she learned last night, but she's <laughs> so old. Um, and, uh, and, and then also Nancy was like, no, she, but she learned this other way. And, and she was like, oh, but this way is so much easier. And, you know, Nancy's like, well that's how I you know I also thought it was funny because earlier in the day Nancy had been like well I could show you this other way I think it's easier and I was like no 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 too much no thank you um and then like later on just just a few hours later I was like forced switching forced to do it so it was probably a very larger metaphor in my life where someone's like maybe do it this way and I'm like no I'm doing it this way and then like very soon after I'm like never mind okay I guess I'll do it guess I'll do it that way. <laughs> so like the craft of knitting is, uh, is the actual motion and the doing of it. Um, and the art comes in with the pattern and mm-hmm. the yarn that you've chosen and, um, and the, where you decide, you know, whether you're wearing it and the same thing with writing and with performing, like acting is a craft. Uh, it is something that you practice and that you go over again and again and that you work on. Um, but then in the moments when you're on stage in front of an audience, it's art. The craft is underneath it all the time, but the experience of it being received and Mm -hmm. it being put out there, 
um, I think elevates isn't exactly the right word because I don't think that art is necessarily better than craft, but it transforms it into art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. So that's, I guess that's one theme that I found like throughout, um, throughout the different work that I do. Um, clarity, I think, I think most of the art that I do, um, not just art, I think a lot of what I am continually trying to do everywhere, both in my like job and in my life is just continuing, um, with clarity, uh, trying to, trying to bring clarity and authenticity, Mm -hmm. um, are generally big parts of the work that I do. Um, because I think that's what allows people to make a connection when those are present. Um, I think they have to be present in order for people to make a connection along with vulnerability. But I think that inherently comes, it's scary, but it comes with, I think with, with clarity, there can be uh, a lot of vulnerability that goes with that too, but that's what helps people make a connection, whatever the medium is, Mm -hmm. um, having those things present. If you were to consolidate all of your creative pursuits into one playful title, what might that be? Um, it might be crafty storyteller. Um, because I am a storyteller and I am crafty in several senses of the word. It's perfect. I love it. Yay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. This is so neat to get to like talk about things that I love. And I love putting my friends on little pedestals so I can get to know them a little bit better and celebrate what is so awesome about them. And I think that this whole storytelling facet of your personality and your creative pursuits is just so awesome. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the space to talk about it. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Kate is the artistic director of Testify, live on stage the last Thursday of every month at Spider House Ballroom. Submit your story for consideration and get more information at testifyatx.com. Introspective intro music crafted by Berm and Swale. Check him out on Facebook, then spend some time with us at chattycrafties.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, or just follow your own best advice. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Now go make some art.